Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Intentional Living series, which talks about approaching every day with purpose. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Let's take our Bibles today and let's go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter number 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and you can um, use a Bible there in front of you if you need to, uh, or the verses will be on the screen as well uh, this morning. 2 Peter chapter number 1, I'm excited to be uh, back in church today, and we've already definitely had a great morning, uh, but I'm looking forward to the next few minutes, and I hope that you will uh, just tune in and allow the uh, the Word of God to speak to you uh, these next few minutes, but I do want to encourage you to be back tonight uh, to to hear Pastor Guy as he preaches, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, this morning, we're beginning a brand new series that we're going to be in for uh, the next few weeks, and I'm looking forward to this. It's a series called Intentional Living, and it's just about approaching every day uh, with purpose. You know, sometimes we wake up and kind of just go through the days and think, well... I really don't have much going on today and just kind of wake up and don't have much of, a, of an excitement for the Lord. Maybe don't have much of an excitement to get out of, how many of you ever like that? You don't have excitement to get out of bed. Uh, maybe you're like me. Uh, when the alarm goes off, the sighs begin, you know, oh, man, I don't want to get up today. You know, sometimes we need to have purpose of why we're getting up why we're going to go about life. And this whole series is designed to help us uh, approach every day with purpose and with a Christ-centered mindset. How can I be intentional about living for God each and every day? And you know what? When you and I live intentional Christianity and have this intentional living, the Bible says that we will come across what's called the abundant Christian life. Man, so many Christians live under their privileges as a Christian because we don't experience what God has for us because we don't walk with him. We don't approach every day intentional, having a Christ mindset, desiring that my life would be something that would magnify God and God Almighty. And so we just kind of go through the motions. We just kind of have that checkmark Christianity. And the Bible says God has so much for us. And so that's what we're going to begin looking at is this idea of intentional living. Today, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed uh, that every stage or every age of life, we often look at another age or stage of life and wish we were there? You ever, ever noticed that? Um, let's see, the, uh, the title for the message today, Wishing to Grow Up. Here's what it is. If you have a five-year-old child, how many of you have had a five-year-old in your home or you do right now? Okay, there's some. You know, a five-year-old When they hang out with the older kids, the eight-year-olds, the nine-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, they come home and they say, I can't wait. I can't wait to be 10 years old. I mean, those big kids, they get all the good snacks. Those big kids, they get to stay up later than me. Well, the 10-year-olds, they're like, oh. Or 11-year-olds, they're just like, I wish I was 13. I wish I was 13. If I could just be 13, that would be the greatest thing. Well, when you turn 13, what are the 13-year-olds looking at? 16. I get my license. I can't wait to have that freedom. I can't wait to. And the 16-year-olds are like, oh, I just can't wait to be 18. I hate being 16. 18, look to 21, 21, 25, 25, 30, 35, 40, 40, 20. 
That's how it works, right? You hit like 35, 40, you're like, oh, it'll be 22 again. You know, oh, my body, you know, that's uh, some talk to some folks in here. I'm not going to call him by name, Glenn, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I talk to these guys and hey, he can, he can hear me today. Oh man, he turned his hearing aids back on. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> Man, you know, uh, uh, some of those folks, you, you folks that are in the recycled teenagers class, I, we joke often, and many of you have said to me, even uh, John Bartowski said this morning to me, he said, Pastor, just don't get older. We were talking to somebody about health problems. He said, well, pastors don't, just don't grow old. I said, are you telling me to die young? He said, no, I'm just telling you don't grow old. You know what? When, as you age, you all, we look. When we're young, we want to be older. When we're older, we want to be younger. It's kind of like Lena, uh, our daughter. She, uh, she's 11 now. But Lena, you know, God, God created her as a young lady and she has in her this mothering characteristic. She just wants to be a mom. Her brothers think it's because she just wants to boss everybody around. <laughs> But she wants, she, wants, she wants to be a mom. And if you ever are around Lena for any length of time, she is just a mothering type. And as a, as a, I mean, she's only 11, but I can't tell you how many conversations we've had where she's like, mom, could I adopt a child? <laughs> like, no, Lena, you're 11. Can I adopt when I'm 15? <laughs> no, Lena. Well, could I get married when I'm like 18 so that I can have babies and be a mom? No, 45. <laughs> that is the limit. And she just, she wants to be a mom. You know what? We have that in our physical life that we want a 5, 10, 10, 20, whatever the age might be, that we look at someone else's age or stage of life and we want to be there. The same is true regarding our Christian faith or our closeness to God. There's so many people that we will often look to somebody else and we'll say, oh, man, I wish, I wish I could have their faith. I wish I, man, that guy's so joyful. She, she's so joyful all the time. Boy, he has so much peace. Like I, I go through trials and I get so frustrated. I watch them go through it and I wish... I could be in a different age or stage of life in my own Christianity. This morning, we're going to look to 2 Peter, and we're going to understand this truth. Stop wishing and do it. Stop wishing and go there. Stop desiring someone else's faith, someone else's joy, someone else's peace. Stop wanting somebody else's close relationship with God and have your own. It's a great passage. I want you to see it with me. If you would stand, First or Second Peter chapter number one, Second Peter chapter one, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. Second Peter chapter one, verse number one. The word of God says this, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby 
are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Go back, if you would, to verse number five. I want you to notice the first few words of verse five where Peter writes this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. You know, Peter speaks here and in other places on the importance of, of growing as a Christian, not just wishing to grow, but choosing to grow, being intentional in your growth. That's what we're going to look at today is we're going to learn from Peter about intentionally growing closer to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to have your heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment to pray. And would you do this just in the quietness of the moment in where you're standing would you give God permission to speak to your heart? You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. I give you permission to speak to me. And then would you make a predetermined decision that if God speaks to you, you're listening and you're gonna respond to him. God, I want you to speak to me and I'm committing that if you speak to me, I'm gonna listen and respond to you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the word of God. I thank you for its truth and how it applies to our life. I pray that as we get into our study this morning, that you would use it to help us, to teach us, to work in our lives, to help us become intentional in our growth. Lord, I pray that we would learn from Peter as you uh, told him to write to us. We pray that you'd help us. God, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know that their sins are forgiven, they don't know that Jesus Christ is their savior. They don't know that heaven is where they would spend eternity. I pray that today would be the day they come to know you as their savior. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. Many of you would be familiar with our writer this morning, Peter. Uh, Peter was one. He was, uh, spent his life with Jesus for about three years. He was with Jesus day in and day out during Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. Uh, Peter heard Jesus preach, and he heard Jesus teach. And Peter was there when he watched Jesus perform some incredible miracles. That, uh, and Peter was part of seeing Jesus change thousands of people's lives. I mean, I think about Peter being there when the deaf, were given their hearing. Uh, I, I think about when Peter was there and those who were blind were given sight and Peter was there even when the dead were raised back to life. I mean, you, can you imagine being Peter and, and he heard everything that Jesus spoke to him and he was one that day in and day out, he was just right next to Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world. Peter was there. Three years of that. 
Now, I can't tell you, but can you imagine how much Peter learned in three years of walking with Jesus? I mean, three years of learning from him and growing and getting closer to him. The Bible actually helps us understand that, th- that Peter was one of the three that were closest to Jesus. Peter, James, and John, three that were probably one of the, some of the closest to Jesus. And yet, when you come to 2 Peter, Peter writes, hey, no one reaches a pinnacle. Hey, you can always be closer to Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Because if Peter writes it, hey, be closer to Jesus, grow closer to him, I'm growing closer to him, you can too. That helps me realize there's hope for Dennis Fountain. Because we all like to, you know, if you've been in church for any length of time, we like to compare ourselves to Peter. Like, I'd never say that. Man, Peter's an idiot. How dare he say that? He's open mouth, insert foot. That's what Peter, you know, we, we like to do that. Man, really, you look at Peter and what he did, many of us in our Christianity, boy, Peter is a great Christian. And yet he's still said, we've got to grow closer to God. All right, Peter, we want to grow closer to God. Help us. Help us grow closer to the Lord, Peter. And so I want you to take your Bible with me and notice some thoughts that Peter gives us about growing closer to the Lord. First of all, today, I want us to see that in order to be closer to the Lord, there must first be repentance. If I'm gonna be close to the Lord, there must be repentance. Verse one down through verse number four, it was kind of traditional when you would write something that you would identify who you were as the writer and who you were writing to. Notice what Peter says in verse number one, where Peter writes these words, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. All right, there he identifies himself. Hey, I'm Peter. I'm writing this letter. Well, who's he writing? Who is he writing to? He says that next to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter writes the opening of this letter, and he says, hey, listen, I, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, I am writing to those who have come to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm writing to those who know and have experienced the righteousness of of God. This is the like precious faith that Peter speaks of. This is those people who have realized that they're a sinner and they're separated from God and that they cannot restore themselves to God. And Peter writes to them saying, hey, I am writing to those of you that have received the gift of salvation, that have repented or turned to Jesus Christ. You see, here's what you have. You have different mindsets in our world today. Peter had them in his day and we have them in ours. That you have different groups of people. You have people who are the religious people. The religious people, they believe that their religion will get them to heaven. If I go to church, I'll go to heaven. If I do good works, I can have a relationship with God. If I get baptized, I, and they have this do list, this list of things you do in order to be closer to God. There's another group. They're a group of people who would maybe, they would maybe call themselves an atheist or an agnostic. And their mindset is, I don't care. I don't care. There is no God, according to me. And so I'm not going to be close to God. And so there's those who believe they can work their way for it. There's those who believe they don't need it. And then there's those who will take the Bible and understand that God wrote the Bible for us to understand we do need it, 
He does exist and you cannot work your way for it. You cannot earn it. See, a person has to come to the place in their life where they realize my thinking is flawed. I can't earn my way to heaven. I do need Jesus. And so I have to repent. What does repent mean? To turn. I turn to Jesus. And I realize that Jesus is the only one that can forgive sins. Jesus is the only one that could die so I could go to heaven. Jesus is the only one that can restore me in my relationship with God. You see, every one of us have a, a void in our life that God was made to fill, and only Jesus can fill that void. You see, God wants to have a relationship with you and I, but because of our sin, James said it this way, that we are at enmity with God. We are an enemy of God. We cannot restore our relationship with God the Father by anything that we do. No, we need Jesus. That's who Peter is writing to, to those who have received Jesus. Hey, you realized your need? I'm writing this to you. Now, we don't have time to go through it all, but verse two, Peter gives kind of a greeting. Hey, grace and peace be multiplied, grace and mercy. Uh, look at verse number two. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. It's just a, a greeting. Verse number three, he helps them understand some of the blessings of knowing Jesus as your savior. He says, hey, uh, because of our faith, we have, power of, we have the power of God in and upon our life. Look at verse three. He says, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. Peter's saying this, hey, when you trusted Jesus, God came into your life and you were given God's power over all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hey, if you know Jesus Christ, you have the answers to life in you. His name is Jesus. What a great verse. Man, what a great verse that, that when I trusted him, that his divine power, God literally moved into my life and gives you and I wisdom and understanding. Verse number four, he tells us that we are partakers of the promises. Look, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter is simply saying, hey, listen, when you trusted Jesus, God moved in gave you power for life and God moved in in order to change you into the image of Jesus. He wants to help every one of us become more like Jesus Christ. That's verse three and four. And again, we don't have time to dive in. There's so much there. I, I thought maybe I should just stop and preach a series on second Peter one, but we don't have time to do it. It's a great passage, but those first four verses, Peter's just helping us understand, Hey, in order to be close to God, you have to have a relationship with God. You've got to have repentance in your life. That has to have a time. You have to have a time when you noticed and you realized that you were a sinner going to hell and you asked Jesus into your life. It's not just a matter of praying. Well, I pray. I, I meet with people and they'll say, oh, well, I pray. Listen, prayer doesn't get me to heaven. No, there must be a turning to Jesus. There must be. The Bible says we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart. I believe I'm a sinner headed in my wrong direction and I turn to Jesus. That's repentance. Paul wrote it this way in the book of Titus, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Colossians chapter one, verse number 14, in whom, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, forgiveness and restoration to God is only through Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John 6, 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. What a great verse. 
It doesn't say, uh, he that get baptized and go to church. And it doesn't say that. It says, hey, believe on me. Confess and believe. Repent. Turn to me. What a great verb. What a great thought. Aren't you thankful we don't have to earn God's forgiveness? You want to know why? None of us could. You and I could never be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. No, there must be repentance. And so Peter says, hey, I am writing to you who have come to repentance and turn to God. Can I just say this morning that you could, uh, you can want to be close to God and I, I wish I was close to God. If there's never been a time in your life where you repented and received Jesus as your savior, being close to God is impossible because the Bible says that because of our sin, we're separated from God. We can't bridge that gap. Only Jesus can. I hope you have a time when you've turned to Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your savior, you've never repented and turned to him, today at the end of the service, we'll give you opportunity where you can make that decision. You can make that decision there in your seat or you could come and have someone take a Bible and show you from God's word what it means to turn to Jesus. If I'm gonna be closer to the Lord, number one, there has to be repentance. I've gotta have a relationship with him. But Peter continues to help us. And he helps us understand this, that if I'm gonna be closer to the Lord, I'm gonna be closer to the Lord, there must be diligence. There must be diligence. Notice if you will, verse five. Verse five, Peter said this, and beside this, all right, now listen, you that know Jesus, you've been given his divine power. You have him living in you. His knowledge is available to you. But it doesn't stop there. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Let me break it down. When you trust Jesus as your savior and you put your faith in him, your closeness to God doesn't stop there. He wants you to keep getting closer. He wants you to grow in him. He wants you to become mature in him and in your relationship with him. And that's what Peter's writing about. Hey, beside this, hey, you have wisdom. You have his divine nature. You have Jesus in your life. Don't stop there. Give diligence to add to your faith. The phrase give diligence, uh, giving all diligence to add to your faith, that uh, phrase right there, giving all diligence, it means to have an earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. Peter's saying this, hey, listen, just having knowledge about God and just having him in your life doesn't make you closer to him. You've got to give diligence. You've got to strive after him. You've got to put some effort in this. Now, let me just uh, say right up front before I continue and clarify some thoughts. In these passages and in these verses, Peter is not at all saying that your forgiveness from God or the gift of eternal life with God is dependent upon what you do in this life. That is not at all what Peter is saying. 
We need to understand that right now, that when you trust Jesus as your Savior, when you put your faith in him, his death, burial, and resurrection, that his forgiveness is final. The Bible says that when you do that, your sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. Jesus says, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more when you put your faith and trust in him. And your heaven, heavenly home, eternity in heaven, it's guaranteed. When you trust Christ as Savior, heaven is guaranteed. Man, what an awesome thought. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who know Jesus as their Savior. There's nothing that can change that. The Bible says that when a person trusts Christ, they are sealed forever. But what Peter is getting at is the fact that just because you know Jesus as your Savior doesn't guarantee you that you are going to be closer to him each day. No, a close relationship with Jesus, it takes some effort. Giving all diligence, have an earnestness in accomplishing. The word add, it means to bring alongside or to supply generously. Rebecca, could you come to the piano real quick? I've asked Rebecca to help me today so we can understand what the word add means, all right? I'm going to have Miss Rebecca play for us a song. I want you to play for us a song. Go for it. Was that good? Yeah, that was good. She played the song we sang just a few minutes ago, You Are My All in All. She only played what's called the melody line. It's all she played. It's all she played. Now, Mr. Rebecca, I'd like you to bring alongside that melody line one or two parts. Would you do that? Did that sound better than the first time? Yeah. Why? Because she added to it. She brought alongside something. Now, Miss Rebecca, if you would, give us the good version. Keep going. What she's doing is she's adding multiple parts. And so what you have is you can still hear the melody line being played, but now there's parts being brought alongside it. There's things coming alongside it to accompany, to make it sound better. Here's what Peter's writing to you and add to your faith. Your faith is the melody line, but God desires that you would bring more alongside it. Don't stop with the melody line. Oh, with the melody line, your life is beautiful. But if you add to it, oh man, imagine what God could do then. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Thank you, Miss Rebecca. That's what the word add means, to bring alongside, to supply generously. And when you and I add to our faith, man, that's when we begin experiencing abundant Christianity. Here's what Peter writes. He says, you need to add to your faith a number of things. Well, what are some of those things? Well, he says, first of all, you've got to add to your faith. I'm skipping verses here. We're all right. You got to add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? Well, the virtue there 
is moral excellence. As a believer, I should add to my faith moral excellence or character like Jesus. The next is knowledge. He says, add to your faith knowledge or full knowledge or knowledge that is growing. The Proverbs word for this is prudence. It is not just knowing something. It is knowledge in action, knowing how to apply something. He says, add to your faith temperance. That phrase temperance has to do with being one who masters their own desires or their own passions, one who can simply put themselves under control, self-control. Add that to your life, patience. Now, when we think of patience, we think of like, you know, getting ready in the morning and waiting for your spouse. I'm being patient. Honk the horn. That's not what it's talking about. The word patience here has to do with a steady endurance, being able to continue along no matter what's happening in life, being able to continue with the Lord no matter what's taking place. He says, add virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. He says, add godliness. What is godliness? Well, another word for godliness is godlikeness. In your life, you should want to bring along characteristics that help you become more like God. Next is brotherly kindness. It's referencing my relationships with others that I should want to show kindness to others. And it talks about charity. Charity is a selfless love. It puts others before me. It is my motive. Love is my motive for following Jesus. Love is my motive for growing. Add charity to your faith. Now, we, again, we don't have time to get in and define all of these and preach all of them, but Peter's just helping us understand, hey, listen, you have a melody line in your life. It's the melody line of faith, but don't stop there. Make, it, make your life more abundant by adding virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godlikeness and add some brotherly kindness in there. And oh, by the way, don't forget about love. Love is the motive. Love is the reason. Don't do things because you have to, man, desire to grow closer to the Lord because you love him because you want to have that closer relationship with God. And Peter's helping us understand, hey, it doesn't stop at repentance. Yes, going to heaven is one thing, but give diligence to grow in your walk with God. You know, our growing in our walk with God, we have to understand that spiritual growth is not automatic. Growth does not just happen. Think about a baby when a baby is born. A baby can be born, but in order for them to grow healthy, they need to eat. As you get older, in order to grow healthy, you've got to eat. It's the same thing in the Christian life. If a Christian's not eating, they're going to be malnourished. Well, what is that eating? That eating is spiritual growth. It's me taking his word and putting it into my life and asking God, how can I have that moral excellence? How can I have your character? God, how can I have knowledge or prudence, wisdom and action? How can I have this in my life? God, I need you to help me grow. But it doesn't happen by accident. You've got it. You and I, we have to be intentional. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing how many people just want something with no work involved? I mean, we want a paycheck with no work, education with no study, a house or a car with no payments. Teams want to win 
with no practice. We've become a nation of entitled people. It's sad to say that this mindset has crept into Christianity. You see, there are Christians, they want greater faith with no trials. They want mountaintop Christianity like we saw a few weeks ago in Psalm 23 without the valleys. We want God's wisdom without studying his word. We want God's direction without seeking his mind. We want to be closer to God. But if that requires a little extra effort on my part, I'm out. I don't want that. And Peter's saying, hey, if you want to be closer to him, you got to be giving all diligence and you have to add to your faith. You know, when Hannah and I were first married, we're coming up, we've 14 and a half years right now, almost 15, and, and it's been wonderful. And I mean that. But when we first got married, how foolish would it have been for me to say I do, and we get our house started, and then I just like stop hanging out with her? It's kind of like, hey, you do your life, I'll do mine. Here we are, 14 and a half years. Let me ask you a question and think about this. If we would have done that, how healthy would our relationship be right now? It wouldn't be healthy at all. There probably wouldn't even be a relationship. We'd be maybe just another statistic. What did it take? What did it take for me and her to get to know each other? Now, honey, close your ears. I would love to tell you, I would love to tell you that we have an absolutely perfect marriage, but we don't because I'm involved. (laughs) It's just how it is. I would love to tell you that now we don't argue. We don't. We have heated disagreements, (laughs) but we don't argue. I would love to tell you that every conversation we all we have is always, always sunshine and roses and just great, wonderful I will tell you this, that while we are married and we have, a, we have our disagreements sometimes and we have rough patches like many people do, I will say this, over 14 and a half years, I much rather have the marriage I have right now than I did 14 and a half years ago. And here's why. Because I've taken some time and she's taken some time that we've got to know each other. We've spent time together, not just on vacation, but at home. We spend time talking together. I want to know what she likes to do. She wants to know most of the time what I like to do, unless it has to do with football. (laughs) But I want to know her interests and she wants to know mine. And what have we, we've spent, you know what that's taken? That's taken some effort. And any of you have been married. I I look at Mrs. Honeycutt and uh, praise the Lord for Brother Don being with the Lord right now. And I look at that and y'all are married 68 years. Is that right, Mrs. Honeycutt? 68 years. That didn't just happen. I knew Don Honeycutt. I know Helen Honeycutt. (laughs) You know what? Her and Don both, they would tell you it didn't just happen. It took work, took effort. It takes effort to have a healthy relationship. Why do we think then that our relationship with God is any different? Oh, listen, once you receive Christ, you're going to heaven. That's settled. We talked about that. But he wants you to grow closer to him, and it's going to take some effort. It's going to take you pushing aside sometimes what you, I want to sleep in instead of reading my Bible. No, I'm going to put some effort and get up and spend time with God. 
I don't want to watch what I say because I, don't, I just want to give them a piece of my mind. No, it's going to take some self-control. Why? Because I want to be closer to God. I want to have that Christ-likeness. I want to have that moral excellence. I don't want to love that guy. That guy drives me nuts. Now, add to your faith charity. Hey, put it, get it involved. Why? Because then what happens is that melody line, faith, is accompanied by some beautiful things, and God uses your life to make us draw closer to him. James said it this way, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Hey, you take a step, God says, I'm there too. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. You know what some believers need to do is need to just stop wishings for someone else's faith and joy and peace or their walk with God and start attempting it yourself. Start getting in the word yourself. Start being faithful to church yourself. Start loving your spouse for yourself. Start doing some of those, put some effort into it and watch God bless. In order to be closer to the Lord, there must first be repentance. There must continually be diligence. But lastly and quickly this morning, I want us to see this, that when you are growing closer to the Lord, there will be abundance. There will be abundance. Look at verse eight. I love it. He says this, for if these things, if, if you add to the melody line, if these be in you and abound, continue growing, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, there's give diligence again, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Simply put, Peter is saying this, hey, when you grow closer to the Lord, you will experience God's blessing. You will experience fruitfulness. Your life isn't barren or unfruitful and there will be stability in your life. You will not fall. And what he's talking about is being stable. Man, that's what a lot of Christians want is I just wish I could have some stability in my life. I feel like my life is just whoo, you know, a pastor said it this way one time, you know, Jesus said he came to give us the abundant life. What that means for us is most people, their life is kind of like this, you know, the ups and downs of life. For a Christian, it's the abundant life. So it's really big ups and really big down. That's not what Jesus meant. No, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It's talking about God desires that you would have a greater fulfilled life, but it only comes in him. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 8, 9, and 10, the principle is established. You give diligence and add to your faith, God will make it where your life is abounding, where you live abundant Christianity where you no longer live underprivileged as a Christian. No, because I've put effort in and because I've put diligence in, I know I know I'm a savior. I've repented. I'm giving diligence. God says there will be abundance. You see, experiencing the abundant Christian life happens when we give diligence to add to our faith. You know, as I close this morning, can I just simply say that <clears throat> we often wish we're in a different life stage and age, and we do the same in our Christian life, can I just tell you, stop wishing. <laughs> Give diligence. Be a Christian who says, 
I'm not going to wish I could grow closer to the Lord. I'm going to take steps of faith and actually grow closer to the Lord. This week, I'm going to add some character of Christ into my life. This week, I'm going to add some love into my life. This week, I'm going to add some brotherly kindness. This week, I'm, this week, I'm going to add some temperance, some self-control. But I just want us to learn this morning, and I want us to pause and say that maybe you're here, and the reason you can't grow closer to the Lord is because you don't even know the Lord. I want to ask you this question, and it's on the screen for you. Have you turned to God, repented, and received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you made that decision? Let me tell you this. Every single person will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And every one of us, we are born separated from God because of our sin. We sin. We do wrong before God. It's not talking about sinning just against man. It's talking about sinning against God. And every one of us, we are born sinners. And because of that sin, we're born with a void in our heart and our life. We are separated from God who desires to be our father. But when Jesus came, he died on the cross as the perfect son of God. He never did sin. He died as the perfect son of God. He was buried and three days later, he rose again from the dead to prove to you and me that he is God, to prove to us that he can be trusted. And let me just tell you this morning that if you were the only person that had sinned that needed a savior, Jesus still would have come. That's how much he values you. That's how much he loves you. You say, oh, Pastor Dennis, God could never love me. For God so loved the world. And you could put your name there. The word so, it means I can't even describe it to you. God loves you so much, John wrote, that I can't even describe to you the love that he had, that he would give Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus came, he came, he died on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and he did all of that so that you could have the void field, so that you could have eternity in heaven, so that you and I could have a relationship with God. So I ask you that question again. Have you turned to God and received Jesus Christ as your savior? If you're here and you'd say, pastor, I've never done that. The Bible says in the book of Romans that you can do that. It says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You say, well, what do I have to do? I have to get baptized? No, 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 we don't have to do anything except for turn to him. Repent. God, I realize I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask you, just in the quietness of your own seat, I wanna ask you a couple questions. If you're here today and you'd be honest, Pastor Dennis, you'd say, I, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. I know that. I've trusted Christ as my savior. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know that. Just right up and right back down. <clears throat> if you're here and you know Christ as your savior, will you make a decision today to give diligence to your Christianity, to grow in him? Maybe you're here today and you could not raise your hand. You'd be honest. You'd say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me because I don't know I'm going to heaven. 
Can I tell you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna come to you right now, but I would like to pray for you. If that's you, you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I haven't ever really put my faith and trust in Jesus. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand just right up and right back down? Pastor, would you pray for me today? Thank you. Somebody else, Pastor, would you pray for me? I just don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. Listen, if that's you today, if you don't know for certain that heaven is your home, in a moment, we're gonna stand to our feet. Some folks will be praying in their chairs. Some will be praying up here at front. But if that's you today, we invite you to come and someone will take a Bible. They'll show you how you could be 100% sure that you're going to heaven. I'm gonna pray, and if God's spoken to you, let's each one respond to him. Dear God, I pray that you'd help us as we respond to you this morning. Thank you for your word. Help us as believers to give diligence, to add to our faith, to be intentional every day, waking up, wanting to grow closer to you. I pray, God, for those here, they don't know you as their savior, that you'd help them today to come to know you as their savior, to put their faith and trust in you, to repent, to turn to you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.